BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your boy. I, I need like two of me and three pots of coffee to handle all of this recruiting coverage from the weekend, friend. Uh, today, I'm joined by Hale Varsity Radio host, Chris Schmidt. Chris, thank you for being back on the show. How are you, man? Greg, it is good to be with you, man. It's always love chatting with you. I love your podcast. You rock and... I have one cup of coffee down and another started. So I, I, I feel you. I get you. Yeah, the second we get off of this is when I'll, I'll hit cup number two. Um, and so we'll be good to go. But I'm feeling good, though. Like, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but there is a lot happening. A lot of people uh, to catch up with over the weekend. A lot of reaction uh, to Nebraska spring game over the weekend. Kind of the culmination um, of what has been a really, it's been a competitive spring, right? Because there's so much, so many new players. But also a spring for a lot of learning like I, I feel for a lot of the players and coaches in some ways uh, because there's just there's so much newness with four offenses four new offensive coaches uh, coming onto the onto the program that it's got to be difficult and I know this summer will be big for them uh, but each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show the first one is called coach speak where we go over something that a coach player or talking head said and we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant coach speak to real talk and this week no surprise comes courtesy of Scott Frost uh, who had this to say uh, after the game about the post-spring evaluation of Casey Thompson. Quote, there's a lot of learning. They say offenses are behind defenses usually when you're doing new things, and quarterbacks take the worst of that. And there's a, there's pieces of two different systems that guys are learning, not just Casey. And that's where why I think at times we've looked like a million bucks, and at other times we've looked a little lost. But I've seen good progress from that position, quarterback, uh, from multiple guys. We have a lot. We have to make a lot more ground up this summer. So, Schmidt, what did that mean? Let's break that down. That means more uh, elbow grease will be put in with throwing sessions. That'll be uh, pretty paramount, quite honestly, for for the guys behind Casey Thompson. Mm -hmm. We saw Purdy uh, on Saturday make a couple of nice throws. We've seen Logan Smothers, although he didn't have a great completion percentage. He looked more comfortable throwing the football, I thought. And, uh, of course, uh, you look at Harburg, uh, I'm from Kearney and don't need a green jersey, right? <laughs> so uh, you're going to get the rest of the crew along with your head guy in Casey Thompson, more reps, more time, and it'll be throwing, throwing, throwing. It's getting on the same page. And I just, I just don't think because of injury, uh, you have a lot of familiarity still. And, and that's, that's a problem with a new offense, with new language, with new receivers. So I think Scott's letting the world know, hey, they're going to put the work in. It'll be okay. But, yeah, it's, it's not even close to being ready to serve yet. 
Yeah. And, and one thing that I thought along with this, and I think you're, you're dead on with what he meant, but one thing that really stood out to me was to a man, every player that we heard from in post game uh, from the spring game mentioned, I think about, you know, doing individual or group team work on their own because they can't do it with coaches on their own sometime during this summer. Um, Chubba Purdy said that they plan to get out there and they're being Hawks. He was in Hawks when he said that and kind of pointed behind, right behind him to the practice field, he said that they're going to be out on the practice field throwing with receivers. They plan to do it every other day, right? Um, so that they can continue to get on the same page with those guys. And I think that that's really good. I don't like it, doesn't really matter if that came as a directive from the coaches or whether the players took them up, that upon themselves to do that. But there were multiple position groups. We were from defensive linemen that said, We need to get in the film room. We need to get out here and work on our pass rush technique in our hands. Like, I thought that that was a really good sign that those guys are still kind of in work mode after they get this little bit, they get their week break um, this coming week to be able to just kind of rest and recharge and then they're going to be right back to it because they also recognize that they've got a lot of ground to make up um and i think that's important heading into the summer it's not going to be relaxation time it's still going to be grind time because we've got to get ready for oh by the way a big 10 opponent in week one well and quite frankly they're they're sick of losing the coaches are sick of losing you've got this urgency that's a that's a reality and uh, you have some energy that's been well highlighted You've got coaches that have upped every other coach's game that's still in the building in the form of Bush and Joseph and, of course, Applewhite, who's really big time. And then there's Raiola. I mean, he's they've, they've got the on-field work to continue to do, but um, it's, it's also as a staff, you know, kind of coming together. And I think the whole game has been upped, uh, quite frankly. When you make shifts, you if you're still on staff, you take notice immediately. Yep. But this staff is hungry to win because some of the guys that they've brought uh, in now have come from winning programs, right? And and they're not happy if you're Apple White. You're not happy about what went down at TCU. If you're Bill Bush, you're not happy about what went down at LSU. Same with Mickey, right? I mean, there's constant change in college athletics and in football. Yeah, but you're in a new spot. You're making the best of it. And uh, there's Nebraska ties with so many of, of the – the, the, the new coaches, their job right now is to uh, figure out what you need in the portal, first of all, mm-hmm. and, and then weigh the check the scale. What's the weight look like scale of portal versus what can we develop? How injured are we? What do we need to do? And uh, who can really make the cut and make the team better? So, you know, we can, we can get all deep into positions and players and personalities, but, no, I think the mindset's one and the same, and uh, you're seeing a, a, a Scott Frost as head coach that is – we were wondering, hey, can, can he really transition to CEO? Yep. Well, he has, He and he showed that this spring, and, and I think the rest of those coaches are going to push their position groups to, to move it forward. Ireland's going to be here before you know it. It definitely will be. Um, and I think that that's just, that's just a fantastic point about the new coaches energizing the other coaches, right? And I think that we see that in, in well, the two big ways that we're going to see that, and we have already seen bits of this during the spring, right? You saw it immediately when it came to recruiting. Like mm-hmm. I saw that the, the basically the day that Mickey Joseph signed a contract to be with Nebraska and Bill Bush decided that he was going to stick around um, and be a full-time assistant. When that happened, it was like a, a switch got flipped. And Nebraska's efforts um, and intensity on the recruiting trail got ratcheted up. And 
we have seen that continue. And the culmination of that was this weekend um, with them having, you know, over 100 kids on campus um, for for unofficial visits for the spring game. Right. But then the other key piece of that to me is and you mentioned this a little is these guys come in from programs in which they're used to winning and they're used to working really hard. And the, the guy that I think about actually, and, and we always talk about Mickey and, and Bill on this, but yes. I think about Brian Applewhite, right? And you think about the work that they had to do at TCU to uncover some of those hidden gems with Gary Patterson and develop those guys. That was what they were known for as a program, right? It's what they did. It's what he had done at his previous stops as well. So that's just kind of baked into his coaching DNA. And so for him to come on staff and and kind of impart that not only on his players, but also kind of say in meetings with other coaches, hey, why are we doing this this way, right? Why aren't we doing X? Like, why aren't we giving effort here? Why aren't we, you know what I mean? Like when you start to have those things and you've got that stuff now coming from multiple coaches, it does make the guys that were able to stay on staff, they've got to sit up in their chair a little bit and say, okay, this is going to be a little bit different. There's a different tone. And the whole thing of that too, to me is, is that part of the reason why those coaches have to listen to the new coaches that are coming in with those ideas, it's not just that they were brought in, and just now and they're new it's also because they all have good track records and history of knowing what they're doing and having success I think that carries a lot of weight too with your peers not just with trying to relate to the players no and it's why you were brought in you're you're a different voice you're a a a voice that impressed enough with a resume to get hired here and you've been successful with how you've done things and you want to bring what you know works into your new environment. And that's, that's great. That's good. I mean, Nebraska needs to be a place that can go close on a four or five star. Yeah. Well, not, not often do you have five star opportunity, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. You got a big one. Mo- <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I mean, you need two or three poles and a barge right. to, haul, to haul in it, but you need to be able as, as a staff and as an assistant to, to have your voice heard and, Nebraska has always been great at the one, two punch. A, we're going to develop the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. We're going to develop depth. We're going to de- depth. We're going to develop talent, but we're going to sprinkle in talent. So when you have development and talent come together, that's when you're winning nine, 10, 11 ball games a year. And I think they got an incredible mix now on staff of developers and also recruiters. Yeah, and that's and that's really what you're going to have to do, and that is as well as Nebraska can do, and they have the potential to recruit. I think always at a, at a top fifteen level when yes. it's rolling and you're doing all of the things that you can do, and Nebraska is is going well. I think they can honestly do that, but even at that level, you're still going to have to be able to really develop the heck out of the players that you have, because really what can take Nebraska, if they get it going from a, to get to it from a pretty good program to a really good program or program that's competing for big 10 championships is the ability to develop that middle of the class, right? Like, yeah, you got to hit on the top guys. And Nebraska hasn't done that well enough really either, but developing that middle and then pulling a couple of gems from the bottom of the class from each particular class, like that will just really help. And I think the staff is in a better position to be able to do that. Um, But when it comes to positions on this team I don't and and things that we saw over this weekend like I don't know how much you can take um, from this spring game I think that the injury situation to this team is the big dominant story Ryan right now along with kind of all of the newness like getting guys healthy and getting them healthy fairly quickly so that they can be able to have enough time to now get used to these new systems is going to be such a huge key this offseason 
It is. And you got to figure out what you're going to do not to overreact, but I I thought the offensive line had a, had a rough day in pass protection, right? Yeah. Four, four, four dropbacks for, for Casey Thompson. He was sacked three times. I mean, he was three for four throwing the football, but he had, he had more drawbacks. The point is, is really bad offs and all of that. Right. It it looked really bad. Just playing touch ball where it wasn't 10 Mississippi. It was Garrett Nelson getting by banks and and a couple of other guys off the edge. I think you're going to get a, a summer of, of hard work and development for Schwartz. Okay. That's one, a kid who's played at Oklahoma state. What do you get from the rest of the crew, the Ben Hart's, the Banks's, the Millers that are all vying for another spot or at least to be a swing tackle. Right. right. Uh, and, and what do you do with Turner? Is he going to be at center? Does he recover and play right tackle with, if Teddy comes back to play left? So is, is good as a quarterback as you have in Thompson, uh, are you going to be able to keep him protected, right? Because he's going to hang in the pocket. He's going to let the guys get open. He's not going to tuck and scramble as much as we've seen in past right. offenses for offenses for Nebraska. So that's key to me. Uh, so can you can you can you get some more work done at tackle? I really liked uh, Kevin Williams. I, I thought he was yep. nice at right at left guard. I, I mean, he's a, a North Omaha kid that has transferred in from Northern Colorado. I thought he looked pretty good. Again, not overreacting at all to, to touch football on right. Saturday, but I thought he looked good. I thought pretty through pretty well to no pun intended there to, to Rollins. Rollins has really looked good at tight end. Hey, man. That's and, a kid that's coming on. I, I yeah. that's a really good story. And I'm happy for him because he was a forgotten man in that, in that recruiting class. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're, you're in this, you're in not only in the same class as what was the number one tight end in the country that year, Thomas Fedoni, you're playing the same position. You're also in the same position as kid and James Carney that had this meteoric rise right throughout his, uh, sure. the end of his high school time. So he just kind of got really lost in the shuffle and to see him develop and, and to see him out there and make a play and put himself in position to, to be a part of the rotation this year is pretty cool. That's, that's a really neat story uh, out of Creighton Prep. Oh, it is. So th- there's just some things I, I have questions about. I I don't uh, hate the running backs right now. I mean, I think Ramir looked quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Anthony thought Grant. Yeah, Anthony Grant. I mean, if you can go 60, 65 yards playing touch football <laughs> <laughs> around the edge. Uh, and score a touchdown. That's nice. And I thought Yant looked looked really, really. Ang- he ran angry. He ran angry that it was tag off first half football. So I like seeing that from him. I think Nebraska's running backs have really stepped their game up, moved their game up, and a lot of that's Coach Applewhite. Uh, you just now we're waiting on the offensive line and kind of who that who that second team quarterback is. Greg, what did you think of? of the quarterback race here post Thompson. I mean, did you see any glimpses from Harburg? Did you see much from Smothers? Did you like pretty? I'm going to flip it around to you real quick and just say, okay, who's, who's the, uh, what's the insurance policy look like behind Casey? So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, it, it was a weird one because uh, like Purdy said after the game, that was really his third practice 
being out there, right? Like this, this last hmm. week was the first time that he had strapped on the pads and really done teamwork. He had done seven on seven. Um, and so for like grading on a curve for that, I thought he looked okay um, out there throwing hmm. the ball. He had a couple of really nice throws. Um, he showed some escapability in the pocket as well. Um, I thought he looked from, from what we saw of him on tape at Florida state to what we saw of him out there on Saturday. I think his body's a little bit different. Um, hmm. I think he's leaned up a little bit, which will help him as well. Um, you have to remember he's still so young he's still a, a really young it's player second year in. right this yeah. is second year in so like he's got a lot of development development ahead of him um and so if he's healthy and can, can push casey a little bit but also give nebraska a, a potential solid number two to also groom for the future i think that that's a really good scenario i thought that logan did look better like like more comfortable <clears throat> in the pocket and that should be expected given who's coaching him at quarterback now with mark whipple um and what he's known for and helping to get quarterbacks right and get their footwork cleaned up and all of that. Um, I thought that Harburg not having the green jersey on at first, I was like, man, this is a little tough because what are they really, what's the message that the coaching staff is trying to send? I think the message is we need to see more reps of you mm-hmm. um, and we'd like to see you out there. And I hope, and it looked like he took that challenge, right? And he had some nice plays as well. Um, and I think long-term, the thing for me with, with Harburg is I like really hope that he takes a long-term view of what he can be as a quarterback and what can happen for him being developed under Mark Whipple, because I think that his ceiling is just so high, but it is really tough to have a, to, as a quarterback. And I totally understand it to see, you know, your four-year starter leave. You think you're going to get a shot. They bring in not one guy to come in and, and potentially take the job, but two ahead of you and the guy that started at the end of the season last year, Logan Smothers. Like Harburg is just in a really tough spot to tell him, hey, have patience. Um, and so big picture, I do worry about that. Um, but I think that if he can stick with it, I think that, man, he's got a, such a high ceiling. Um, but you just don't know about the picture behind uh, Casey Thompson right now. Um, but I do think that to me, if I was a betting man, um, I would say that Purdy is on his way to ascending towards that number two spot. Uh, he, but he needs to stay healthy. But that's been kind of the thing for him throughout his career. Oh, you nailed it. I mean, if yeah, he's got all the talent in the world to, to fight for a starting job, if not be the backup. But he's got to stay healthy. And mm-hmm. he's had knees, had foot. He's he's had problems. The collarbone has been an issue. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he had the collarbone that was that was dinged up. I think the fact that Harburg's an in-state kid is a little helpful. You can't take that for granted, but it's a little helpful as far as the patience. I think guys really do see the the teaching ability of a Mark Whipple. Remember, both roundtables, it was, wasn't a subtle hint. It was just something I read into about the fact that he had seven or eight guys in his quarterback room at, at Pitt. Well, he's going to teach you. Right. And you're going to get better from him. Guys don't necessarily want to leave him. They want to play, but right. they'll realize that, okay, this guy's got a, a, a river of knowledge here, NFL college. Now as a coordinator for Nebraska that I can use to get better. And uh, there's no guarantee anywhere else. At least I got a spot here. I can kind of keep chopping wood with. So I think that'd be my pitch to Nebraska's quarterbacks and, you got a good one in, in the OC chair in Whipple just to, to get you better as a quarterback and then uh, see if it can translate to practice field yeah, and, uh, and go compete that way. I mean, I think, I think his message of patience may 
weigh a little more than some other spots around the country. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. That's a good point um, because he ha- he does have the history to be able to point to that and say, "Listen, um, here's what was happening at Pitt. Here's my history of, of various quarterbacks that I've to- have tutored, whether it's been at Pitt or in the NFL." Um, and that definitely carries weight with these guys because they can see the long term trajectory. Um, even if, if you just go recently with Kenny Pickett and how he developed over his career. Exactly. Um, but one thing I want I want to flip to the other side of the football because I got to get your thoughts on this: the defensive line. Like, where is Nebraska? Where can they go from here? I guess, what did you think about what you saw on Saturday? And where where do they need to go from here as it comes to, comes to developing that defensive line, which obviously they're going to need development for to be able to compete in the Big Ten this year? You know, uh, listening to, to Ty Robinson talk about the number of reps he got, the number of reps, the guys behind him, that's Weaver, that's Black, that's Buckley, that's Nash. That's key. And it's about live bullets and it's about uh, sometimes versus all the time. I I go back to that comment by Dawson. Are you sometimes guy or not? And it takes a year. Legit. It takes a year for guys to go from role to starter to like really good starter. It just for the most part on the D line, especially. Yeah. Unless you're a Bosa. I mean, it just does. Right. So, and, and talking with a couple of D linemen, Jay Moore, I mean, he was in that situation where he played, you know, a little bit as a sophomore and then junior. And then by senior year, him and Carriker are murdering people. They lead the country in sacks. I see, I look at the development and in, in your test case is in the Frost era is Garrett Nelson. Mm-hmm. Look at starting point to now to what's he poised to do his senior season. What's eluded him hasn't been effort or or necessarily now knowledge. That's together. He's always been a guy that's going to go a 1,000 miles per hour. He's always going to uh, make, make it better uh, when it comes to his job. He's not doing his job uh, at a very high consistency. He's gotten better as a tackler. Last year, he did a really good job as a tackler. So now what? Let's add pass rush to it. And it's a spring game where it's touch. I know we say that a thousand times, take a drink. Right, drink. But, but he looked good as a pass rusher. He looked different as a pass rusher on Saturday. So I think Nelson's there. I think you saw a little bit of a uptick arrow-wise in Caleb Tanner. And, and I think you saw that lot. last year too. You did. You, I think he ended well. Yeah. So I think, I think they're okay where maybe these guys are developing to the point where Okay, you don't have to bring some some secondary pressures off the corner or at safety. Maybe you can let your outside guys do their thing. But, but Greg, you want to talk about an increased pass rush and it being the most important part of that defensive line? It's going to be Mathis. What what can they do between now and when summer ball starts with getting him? What's his timeline like? Can you keep him the hell out of Austin? I mean, I mean, those are some of my questions. I. I think you're okay to good with Tanner and, and, uh, and Garrett Nelson. I really like Ty Robinson. You need Rogers to stay healthy. And I think Nash has made some moves. I'm glad he's not dinged up. That was scary on Saturday when he got rolled up on, but uh, you're going to see guys that I think can be ready. How good? I don't know. They can be ready to be that sometimes guy in giving you 15 to 20 snaps a game in a rotation with Buckley, with Weaver, and uh, with Nash, uh, and and Black. I think those guys are 
on their way. I think Dawson's a good developer. It, yeah. it just by, by mid season next year, I think they'll be ready to have uh, some impactful roles. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing is that there's a, a strange balance and, and kind of juxtaposition at play here with those defensive linemen, right? On one hand, all of those guys you mentioned, plus Masai Newsom, like those guys, like you yeah, need forgive them. me there. Sorry. No, you're good. You need, you need them to come along. Right. And they're on what would be a normal timetable and schedule when it comes to their development. It is not abnormal for defensive linemen in the Big Ten to take a couple of years to really be able to be counted on and to get those 15 to 20 reps before they start to, you know, elevate even more from there. They're on a normal schedule. That is a fact. But Nebraska does not have the luxury of waiting on the normal schedule right now. That's also a fact because it is a must win season for Scott Frost. And you have the pieces around those guys on the defense that you, you feel good about. I think, like you said, I think the arrow is trending up for both Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson. We'll see if they can get O'Shawn Mathis or another pass rush specialist to kind of come in here and help shore that up. You feel great about the inside linebackers um, with Reimer mm-hmm. and Henrich. And you know that Travis Fisher is going to put together a combination of guys in the secondary that's going to make this thing work right I got I feel very confident that we all feel good about Travis Fisher right so it's do you have enough bodies on the defensive line to be able to roll through a full Big Ten season knowing that you're going to have to face Minnesota and Northwestern and Iowa and Wisconsin um, and you're going to have to stop the run that's where it really the rubber meets the road because you also have the kind of looming thing out there of Nebraska needs to start well because of where they've been in the Frost era so far, right? Like they, they have to start this season well and because the schedule um, is, is eased up in the beginning of the year versus that back half, right? You've got to have it figured out by then. And so there's just some weird push-pull there when it comes to how you view the defensive line development. If you had one or two more guys it would it would make this feel so much better. And I hate to harp back on it, but if you had Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas still on this team, both of which had eligibility left to come back, you would feel a hell of a lot different about what this defensive line looked like. You don't have them, so you got to either develop them or you got to find them in the portal. Uh, but that's going to be critical for Nebraska's season uh, because you just know that the game plan right now for Northwestern is going to be to stress that defensive line uh, if you can. Well, it, it, let's flip it around. And, yeah, with D-Boogie and, and D-Train, both those guys finally I – mean, there was buy-in. There was buy-in on their part where they slimmed down and they were able to give you more than – I mean, you look at, at uh, D-Boogie, that guy by this last season had committed himself oh, yeah. to give you more than just nine snaps. Okay, I mean, if if he if it wasn't three and out or five plays, then he was done for a while, mm-hmm. right? He just he just wasn't in condition, condition shape to give you more than a handful of snaps. But when he gave him to you, he was a game changer. Think of how well Iowa's ran the football until number ninety three got in there. Right. Throughout his career, he's been that big a difference maker. So now it's up to Nebraska to do a couple of things: get Nash ready. Uh, and and uh, able to to plug that middle. Uh, same with Buckley. Same with with uh, Jalen. Uh, and and the other part too is uh, Nebraska. As good as they looked at times last year, they still because of their offense wore down defensively. Right. 
I mean, Michigan ran for damn near three bills. Uh, you had Wisconsin, you had Iowa. They, they did what they wanted running the football. Nebraska's offense has got to hold the football, run the football, keep the defense off the field. Score seven instead of three. Or, or score. Or score. Right? Yeah, I, the missed I mean, field goals. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So, and not give them a short field, by the way. Yep. So the defense is great. Their peak was Michigan State, and they played their butt off all year. So I'm not taking anything away from them. But, dude, they faded. They got body punched and body punched and body punched. And a lot of it was because of what special teams in the offensive side of the football did not being able to run the football or it's three and out because you're getting sacked on first down. So that'll be that'll be a big part of this. Yes, the, the defensive line development with Weaver and company, monstrously important. Go portal shopping as well for another big dog, but get your offense ready to go in a four minute drill. Uh, each drive, choose some clock, yeah. pound away yourself on offense at some of the opposing defensive lines and even the odds of it. That's kind of my take. Yeah. That complimentary football can like, it's been elusive um, for the last four or five years. Like, can they really do that? Um, and you're right. They're going to have to lean on that a lot more. And that changes everything. If Nebraska's offense actually hits the ground running, but it's going to be difficult because of all of the newness. But if they can do that, if they can either, either create explosive plays for touchdowns or sustained drives, like pick one, whichever one you want to do. Um, both, that really right? help, or both. <laughs> yeah. Ideally both. Um, that would really help out the defense and allow them to kind of find their footing as they go along. Or like you said, allow them to stay fresh throughout games and then throughout the season, because that will also be big um, as well as we get to the meat of that season uh, moving forward for the, for the 2022 year. It, it, there's just so many questions. It's going to be an, an interesting mm-hmm. summer and an, an off season. Um, I don't know how many questions got answered um, during this spring, but it, but it's going to be, uh, there's a lot of storylines to dive into over the off season. I have a feeling we'll be talking about some more of them as we move along here. Definitely so. And it's going to be about health and safety, right? I mean, it's going to be about keeping guys healthy and safety. And you pray there's no more non-contact injuries uh, for Nebraska to suffer. But no, I mean, this, uh, this, this staff will have a chance to, to get together and keep kind of working their way forward uh, with uh, Riola and, and his guys on the line of scrimmage with the quarterback room with the wide receivers. A lot of talent there. Mikiel get his guys ready to rock and roll mm-hmm. and then the running back situation. So no, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Nebraska to kind of break out of this funk. And uh, I think the swag is very real too, Greg, where guys that have come in from pretty big time programs uh, that, that have brought, we mentioned the coaching staff's energy. Well, you've got players too, yeah. like the Trey Palmers of the world or the uh, Casey Thompson's that have come in and, and kind of lit the the room on fire, so to speak, in a good way where there's some swag coming in. And Nebraska's needed confidence because, listen, they've not done enough on the field to be confident themselves. They've had to bring it from somewhere. Well, it's in the form of the portal with some guys that have had successful careers elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is important. And that's why starting fast will be so important for this team to get that full team buy in on that confidence. And that can really carry you through as well. Uh, But every week uh, we end the show with my favorite segment of the week. I'll put them on blast where we put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Uh, I'm going to go first. Put them on blast. 
and, and, and this one feels like, I, unfortunately, could be a Lifetime Achievement Award, something related to the Lakers. Uh, it appears by the time this actually comes out, I'm assuming Frank Vogel will officially be fired. Um, I am totally fine with that. Um, I, I don't think that he's a good, like he was a good coach this year. The lineups are goofy. Um, the rotations are weird. Um, but he is not the only one to blame. So I have a dual blast here. I'm going to put the Lakers front office on blast for putting that trash team together around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I am also going to put like NBA media needs to be put on blast because you would think that Frank Vogel was out there. He was Phil Jackson out there. The way that people are already talking about how the Lakers did him dirty uh, when it comes to letting him go. And I saw a thing from, I think it was Bill Orem of the athletic uh, just this morning saying that Vogel, the way that the Lakers treated Vogel needs to be a cautionary tale to other prospective coaches. Get out of here with that. He has a, he has culpability in this as well. They just fired him for no reason. Um, he was not good either. Uh, we got to stop doing that. Frank Vogel is not the hero of this story. Uh, he's just not the biggest villain of the story as well. So for all of that, both then make it a triple uh, put on blast. Frank Vogel can go on blast. The Lakers front office can go on blast. NBA media can go on blast. You're just going to get me fired up. I thought I would make it through an episode without yelling about the Lakers. It did not happen because this was one of the most frustrating seasons um, that I've had to witness in a long time. And we've been through some of those crappy lottery seasons uh, when they were tanking to try to get better picks uh, just not that long ago. But they're all going on blast. You got me fired up again. No, and I was like, all right, three, two, one, lift off here for <laughs> the, uh, the the Lakers. And Greg, you've been a devout Lakers fan forever. Uh, even being a Windy City guy, it was Lakers over the Bulls. So kudos to you uh, for for sticking with that. It couldn't have been easy. Uh, my my blast is, and it's not a a popular take or even that common, but it's floating out there. Those that that are piling on Tiger for. Uh, his comeback, and they're like, what, huh? I mean, everyone stood and applauded, yes, but there's a few out there that are uh, blasting Tiger with with his final round, finding water, and the, there are those that are disappointed in, in how Tiger finished. Was it good? No. Uh, did he wear down physically? Yeah. And that, that mental fatigue followed the physical fatigue, right. but he finished. So – there's some high profile media. We'll just leave it at that, that, that are, they're criticizing tiger for not performing better. Uh, I'm, I'm the opposite way. Uh, I, I hate walking golf courses, oh, let alone it. with two good legs, right? <laughs> That's what a card's for. That's what the cooler's for. But uh, those who are on tiger for, for not being better uh, just, you know, go hide and go away. Is, you, you, is can, you can say. jump in the water that Tiger's ball found. And try and fish it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Very so very I, well I was I was pretty pretty amazed at his start and how we got to the finish line. I thought yeah, that was pretty to... impressive. Yeah, I thought it was too, especially for his age and for coming off of all of the things that he's gone through. Like, yeah, that that's that's remarkable that he was even out there. Um, I would like to see one more like 
big time Sunday push from him. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't this week, uh, but I would definitely like to see that. And then hopefully it will be one of the biggest sports stories ever, given, you know, the accident that almost caused him his leg, the spinal fusion mm-hmm. surgery, all of that. Um, and in his age, like it would just be remarkable if he can pull that back off. Wasn't meant to be this weekend, um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody mm-hmm. wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Peps, Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show featuring Chris Schmidt. Uh, also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'll be back on there with plenty of recruiting coverage uh, throughout the weekend or from the weekend throughout the rest of the week. And you can also find us on Twitter at Greg Schmidt, Smith HB, and at Schmidt underscore radio. We'll catch you all next week. A Huda Media Production.